hundred percent. I've been saying this for a long time, which is anybody who could figure out how to employ the stay at home mom workforce is going to make billions of dollars. Dude, this morning, my friend had a 40th birthday party and he rented out an entire water park this morning from like 7.30 a.m. to like 10 a.m. And I went to <laughs> it. Went? Yeah, it was like me and Ramon and Neville. And then like, you know, David Perel, he was there and a yeah. bunch of other guys were there. And I it was so fun. We had this whole park to ourselves. And then I came home and like threw up and went to sleep. <laughs> like I... You caught something because you, you threw about a nostalgia. Why, why are you puking? I didn't re- like when I was a kid, I used to love that stuff. And then I did all these like slides you and like went too hard and like going through them. <laughs> like I like you go like these slides are it's kind of hard to explain, but you're like in that, you know, those tubes that like go in twisties, whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like it just made me sick to my stomach. I, I, I was like on the ride home. I was like, no, I think I might throw up. I Can you uh, unlock the window? It, it, I can't believe how like old I got. You savage! You threw up out the window. You didn't. Even no, I, I didn't do it out the window. But I came home and I got sick and I just had to lay down. <laughs> I cannot believe how life has changed. <laughs> like you didn't even drink. You just just the straight, just the action, just the just movement. The, just like the like. <laughs> well, did you go to rides on Dis- at Disney? Uh, like the my my daughter's two, so I did only like the Dumbo ride, like the most simple rides. I don't like. Tea I think it's a little crazy. I think I would have done like the big stuff. I think I would throw up at this point. I couldn't handle it. It was horrible. <laughs> Um, but man, this is why Austin is awesome. So like, uh, okay. So David Perel, I don't know him that well, but, uh, just two blocks up, there's this restaurant and I, me and Sarah went out to breakfast and he was there. And so I, he, we knew who each other's were and we just said, what's good. We're now we're going to go hang out. Last night I had this guy over named Chris Williamson. Do you know who that is? No. That? He's like a popular YouTuber and he just DM'd me and he said, I'm in Austin. Do you want to hang out? And I go, yeah, just come over for dinner. Uh, like we're just like constantly just seeing people it's pretty wild it's a small weird it's like a a lot of like cool people here but it's a small town yeah that used to be the case in san francisco you know because you would just bump into people everywhere that were like doing the same thing like-minded people who are also in the same game but um i don't know i moved out of the city now so like you know i'm in the burb My, my neighbor is 80 years old uh, you know, if I bump into him, you know, he's telling me about like you know, crochet or something like that. So it's, it's not the same. Well, it's it's awesome here. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, you want to get into some stuff? Yeah, you, you have a bunch of really interesting things to talk about. I've got less yeah. interesting things to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. Let's pick one. Um, well, actually, let me tell let me let me lead with mine because I have less stuff. This is pretty much <laughs> the only thing. But you talk okay. to this person. All right. This woman named Rebecca Zamalo. You talk to her, right? Yeah, I think you butchered her last name. Zamarolo, I think. Zamarolo, sorry. Like All right, so I did a call with her as well. I, I, I DM'd her and, and, we, and we started talking. This woman is amazing. So She's basically, awesome. it's her and her husband. Her husband's name's Matt. They're partners on this. She has a YouTube channel. It's Anyone listening to this, you only probably know about it if you have kids. So it's meant for children. It's like... It's like acting, like fictional it's stuff. Like age uh, like 6 to 8, uh, 6 to 10-ish maybe, where it's like... It's not the like absolute beginner kitty Coco Melon type of stuff. It's like somewhere between. And yeah, they basically like it's a little show. It's a t- it's almost like a TV show. Uh, you know, whether it's Blues Clues or whatever else, they're they create like you know these videos, these little ten minute videos that are entertaining. And on her personal channel, she's got like ten or twelve million subscribers. She has seven other or seven channels total. So six other yeah. channels: one for her dog, one for her husband, one for like this 
for gaming, just like all types of stuff. She's releasing eight videos a week. They have a team of like eight or six people, maybe. And she kind of told me a little bit about some of like the business numbers. My mind was blown. It was astounding. Unbelievable. It, it was unbelievable. Did you talk to her about her business? We can't like, yeah. I, I didn't ask her if I could say anything and, and she did yeah, one yeah, like no, that. But we'll put that on blast. But yeah, I, I like, the, you know, the dog has 10 times, maybe 20 times more subscribers than we do on YouTube. Like, it's like, oh, this is my dog's gaming channel. <laughs> and it'll have like 400,000 subscribers or something crazy. So and, she gets YouTube has, I mean, 10 million subscribers is no joke. And the amount of production, the content output, like just that thing you said sounded like, oh, six, like seven, eight videos a week. It's like, okay, so they do a video, they release video pretty much every day. But they're like 40 minute long sometimes. Yeah, they're like long videos with like storylines about like, and she'll be like, you know, um, yeah, we moved into this new house and there was like this weird door in my bedroom. So we created this storyline about this like secret, secret passage that takes you down and then there's a villain inside and the villain is my husband and like. That's the like then they create a whole play, basically a little screenplay and they shoot it. And while we were talking, she's like, yeah, downstairs, there's like eight people for our crew, like our kind of film, audio, uh, you know, editors, whatever that are all here. And she's like, yeah, my life is crazy. Hey, quick break to talk about our sponsor today. We're talking about HubSpot and their new AI powered service hub. Okay, so what is service hub? Basically, every customer today wants to be talked to in a personalized way. And before that required tons of human agents. But now with AI, you could do that in a personalized way with fewer humans involved. And so you don't have to scale up your team in order to deliver personalized chat and service. So check out HubSpot's new service hub to use their AI tools to give better support to your customers. That's what they want and that's what they deserve. So visit HubSpot.com slash service to learn how this all new solution can help you deliver customer service with AI to your customers. It's, it's, <laughs> it was wild. And she was telling me about different stuff. And so there's this guy named Darman. So his first name is Dar, D-H. I know him well, yeah. Okay, so you're friends with him? I'm not friends with him. Uh, my wife either knew him like in college or something like that or whatever. But then we've uh, done some deals with that, him and his wife around like influencer content. So he's got 13.8 million subscribers. And it's it's kind of lame what he does, like lame in that it's not going to fit what we, we do. But basically, it's like Hallmark Channel videos. Like one was like bully. Uh, someone bullies an autistic kid and the reaction is crazy or, and it's like a fictional hallmark video. I think they like children watch it, I guess to understand like values and he's got something like a hundred employees and he's brand new to this, like within like a three year thing. Yeah. yeah like two, three years, a hundred employees. And they pump these videos out to the point of like right now he's got 6.3 billion views and Wild. it is crazy and across all their platforms their videos have been viewed 27 billion times uh it's the some of these youtubers it is i'm just blown away at how big their businesses are and when i'm thinking about it and i talked to rebecca i'm like this actually isn't that hard i could do this and if you dedicate like 40 or 50 hours a week if you start from scratch you can get big really fast and yeah. but you have to treat it like a job not a hobby just like anything else yeah, like a business, not even a job, because uh, yeah, you're business. managing a bunch of people, and you got to have a product for customers and things like that. So, so yeah, I totally agree. Um, like I, I'm on his uh, Twitter, so it says like new videos Monday through Thursday, family friendly, kid approved. Right, this is a that is a product you're offering. We yeah, we release on these days. We are kid friendly, rated G. Uh, you know, like here's what you're gonna get out of this, and that's that's you know my studio company or whatever. Um, and I think, but by the way, before this, this guy, I think he was doing like a cannabis company an e-commerce thing. Like that. Yeah. They have an e-commerce and cannabis business, yeah, like so, unrelated. So, you know, he's, 
doing all, all kinds of stuff. It's it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, these YouTubers, like I'm blown away because there's so many that you have no idea who they are, but they have these empires that could be potentially making right. tens of millions of dollars a year. Yeah, I, I also think, um, you know, it's really hard to do what they're doing. Um, like, you know, the it's not for everybody. Uh, and I, I guess that's kind of obvious, but uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is even if you could do it, not everybody could do it, but even if you could do it, doesn't mean you should do it. Like, this is such a hard thing to do to get on that treadmill and say, I'm going to produce awesome content five days a week, nonstop. And if I ever stop, the algorithm punishes me and my subscribers leave my channel and my Patreon people stop giving me money and my I don't have ad content for my sponsors. And if I ever, you know, just don't feel like being in front of the camera, like it doesn't work. There's no substitute teacher to, um, to you know, step in here and, and, and step into this business. So I think it is a really valuable, I think it's a powerful business when you have it because anytime you have the trust of millions of people who like your entertainment, that's great. But man, um, I don't think it's worth it. Uh, you know, just I, I, I'm not even just saying that theoretically, like I've thought about doing it and I'm like, there's no way this is worth it for me. I, I and that's what I said to her and so this guy Dar I think he's not like the face I believe in most of his videos I, I don't think he, I think he's in close to none of his videos or something right. like that with her she was like yeah but we've got all these seven other channels now so we diversified beyond just me and right. I agree with you I think that that's a hard treadmill but I would say to the the other side is like everything is that right if you start anything like you of course you just gotta work at it for a long time um, I think I could share this, but when I did the episode, when I recorded with Hassan Minaj, uh, who's like, you know, comedian, uh, he's on TV shows, stuff like that. He, um, he had asked me at one point during the thing, I think the episode's coming out soon. Um, the, he had asked me like, you know, uh, like what would you do next step if you were me? And on he, the pod he itself, asked you that. Yeah. Like kind of like, for, okay, from a business point of view, what would you do next? And, um, on the pod itself, I don't think I got him, gave him a great answer. Like, I think in, in the pod, we were talking more about like, how would you invest your money? And um, I was like, you know, here's kind of the thought process I would go down. It was kind of a boring, lame answer, I would, to be honest. But afterwards, when we were hanging out, I, I told him what I think is actually the real answer for this. I said, you know, everybody should do what fits them. Like something that looks exhausting to me might look, might feel amazing to somebody else. So, you know, don't don't take my word for it. But let's just pretend I'm just going to give you my two cents and you could throw it away if you don't like it. Um, I said, if I was you, this touring business model seems awesome. Cause I was at your show. It was, so, you know, like 4,000 seats sold out every, you know, average tickets, like 150 bucks. And you just did that eight times in this city. And then you're going to go to 50 cities on this tour. Like you could just add it up and be like, wow, you can make a lot of money touring. And, um, and then there's no limit to that. Like, yeah, this was a 4,000 person auditorium, but you could do your same set in front of. 30,000 people in a, in a bigger stadium. If like, you know, Chris rock or Dane cook or whoever these other people would do that, that size tours. So I said, you got a business model that works. And, but the problem is you're like, I was like, you're a new dad like me. Like I can't imagine being on the road, going to 50 cities. Like we've been invited to many things. and I've been like, yeah. And then I'm like, ah, traveling is so hard with little kids. I got to leave my wife. I I don't really want to leave the house for an extended period of time right now. Like I like being home. So I was like, you don't, for me, I would want to get rid of the travel component. I said, well, okay, how do you do that? You can't have a substitute teacher come in and say your jokes on stage. That doesn't work. And so what I had told him afterwards, I go, if I was you, I would stash cash and I would create a two-year runway where I could just work on one thing. And that is creating 
the next Hamilton. <laughs> and he's like, what? And I was like, I would use your storytelling, your comedic abilities. I would create Hamilton for brown people. Uh, Cause that's like his audience is his demographic is like heavily skewed Asian. And I said, um, I'll create Hamilton for brown people. I don't even know what that means. I would just take that and say, I'm doing that. And then he's like, you know, he reacted to it or whatever. And I was like, the reason I would do that is because then you get the business model of touring, but it's not you on the stage. Yeah, and so you, you own can that sit IP. back and you, all, you only have to create it once. And like Mama Mia has been running for fucking 16 years and has done over $600 million in ticket sales. And, um, you know, like H Hamilton's done over a billion dollars in ticket sales. And it's the same story. It's the same songs. It's the same jokes every night done by a different cast of kind of like you know fungible or interchangeable pieces so you're not super dependent on any one talent like you can switch it off switch switch out people if you need so i was like that to me seems like an amazing business model i would do that so that that's kind of my example of this youtube thing is like you can also do the youtube thing but in a different way like i think it's cool that dar isn't the face of his videos so then it's more like a production company it's like a tv show he's created not so much a vlog dude there's this guy uh people are gonna laugh at me because i don't know or if you know who this is uh is it andrew lloyd weber i forget who it, i forget the guy's name is that the fan of the opera guy yeah and did he do joseph uh something jesus radical what's that that broadway show <laughs> where it's like radical jesus or like jesus is uh it's like about jesus and they're jesus like this christ super yes fucking what you're looking for. yes <laughs> so you did school of rock phantom of the opera and Evita, which are all big hits that I've heard of. And then I've never heard of Jesus Christ Superstar. But uh, yeah, that's apparently like done in the 70s. Yeah, he uh, he's a billionaire. It, 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 yeah, so, so I looked up. The, so when I thought of that play model, I was like, is the play is the play business a good business? It could be. And I think it can be. So the, the top the top IP definitely accrues like a shit ton of value. Like I said, if you, you can go look at like Lion King is grossed like two point something billion dollars. Uh, that's the number one stage play. What's and number two and three? Hamilton is like getting up there. It's like it's like number two or three now, but it's like very new. So it'll it'll surpass Lion King if it just keeps going. Um, there's like Phantom of the Opera. There's Mamma Mia. There's like so you take the top ten, and they're all doing like hundreds of millions in gross sales. Okay, now you don't get to keep the gross sales, but I think you could do this in a way that works. So like the guy who created Hamilton, Lin Manuel, whatever his name is. Yeah, but did the uh, did the author get paid too on that one? Uh, so he gets, so this guy, Lynn, who's the creator of it, he uh, has like a 7% royalty or something like that. Wow. So he's made like tens of millions of dollars off of the the profits. They actually crowdfunded the thing. Uh, so what they did, I don't have the full story in front of me because I'm just trying to say this off the top of my head from, from memory. But I think what they did was to raise the money to create the thing. They had like a bunch of patrons basically chip in money and they all get to keep a profit share after a certain amount of money had been recouped. And so that investment has been paid over like 10 times. So if, again, if I was Hustle Minaj, I'd be like, hmm, there's Web3 shit going on. Interesting. A lot of people flush with cash, buying into shit. Okay, cool. Digital tickets, NFTs. Okay, what can I do with this? And I would basically raise $10 million through an NFT presale of the show and uh, in different tiers. Like, you know, some of the tickets have backstage passes attached to them. Some of them don't, whatever. That's interesting. And, and, and I, would, I would just let people buy, buy this. I'd raise $10 million. I'd use the $10 million to go into a bunker to create whatever the hell Hamilton for black, black people is. And then I would Hamilton for brown people, show. for Indians. Oh, yeah, sorry, not black people, brown people. So then I would take that show on the road and I would just try to, I would be like, yeah, I know it's hard, but like being a successful stand-up comedian was also like a 0.1% success rate or whatever. 
um, you know, to get to where he's at. So like, yeah, you, you want to get to the 0.1% success rate, but this time with a superior business model that um, doesn't require your face on the stage saying the jokes. Yeah, I think that's sick. I think that's a that's a great idea. I think that's actually that's wonderful. I think and that could be incredibly creative, creatively fulfilling. I wish I had said it on the spot. It's like one of those when you're in an argument and then like later you're in the shower. Oh, fuck, I should have said that. That's what happened to me. But luckily, we're still hanging out at that moment. So I was able to tell him, you know, then Ah, this is a cool idea. Hey, let's take a quick break to tell you about our sponsor. It is a podcast that we want you to check out. It's called D2C Pod. It's hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas. It is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. And this is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer, D2C. It's e-commerce stores. It's how you optimize your brand. And they're talking with founders, marketers, and the platform creators about all kinds of things that you need to know for D2C. You know, website conversion, paid ads, Facebook ads, consumer trends, email marketing, If you want to know the stories behind your favorite brands, this podcast is for you. They did an episode recently about scaling creator growth and influencer incentives. I thought it's pretty cool. So check it out. Listen to D2C Pod wherever you get your podcasts. I think in the next couple episodes, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to bring in... uh, I'm going to do some research on the Broadway business or like, I don't know, theater, I guess. What do you call it? Theater? Yeah. Um, It's actually an interesting idea. I was always curious because American Idiot, basically, they did this. So Billy Joe Armstrong... Wrote, Green Day wrote American Idiot, the album, the song. They turned it into a uh, a rock musical. Right. You, you didn't have to be there. They didn't have to be there. You yeah, know exactly. And they got paid a lot like from Book, it. Book of Mormon. Let me see how much Book of Mormon has made. Uh, Mormon revenue. Five hundred million dollars has been the gross ticket sales of Book of Mormon. And then if you did something like a Hamilton or like a Lion King or whatever, you could take that same IP, those characters. You have merch. You have like other that IP is you key is you got to own the IP. And, um, you know, so so I think, you know, when that when Book of Mormon launched, it says it was bringing bringing in 19 million per month. So like, I don't know what South Park generated lifetime, but like. I bet it's kind of like on par with that. Uh, or, you know, I guess South Park's probably a bigger success. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. South Park. I, okay. Just in 20, I didn't know this happened actually. It looks like a couple months ago, the South Park creators signed a $900 million wow. deal for more episodes for, for uh, six years uh, with Viacom CBS. That's insane. I didn't know that. That's actually amazing. That's amazing. Right now is the best time ever to be a pro- uh, like a production company or an IP holder. And we said this a long time ago. Remember I said, someone needs to, there's all these platforms now. You got, I, at the time it was Netflix, Amazon Prime. And then I said, Disney Plus was going to come out. It hadn't come out yet. Um, and then there was like, you know, there's Hulu. There's all these different platforms. Apple TV Plus came out. Um, they all want original content. They're all hungry for content. And they are betting billions of dollars uh, budgeting every single year to buy content. I think, Netflix or Amazon or something, they're paying like $6 billion per year for content, uh, for new content production. And so it is the best time ever to be a seller of content. And at the time we had said somebody should create YC for content. Basically the way that Y Combinator helped produce software startups. And it just said, Hey, two engineers. Okay. You're 21 years old. You graduated from Stanford. All right, come here. This is essentially like a business school, but you're going to create a little business and you know, maybe you can sell to Facebook or Google, or you'll end up becoming the next Airbnb. You'll go public. I think the same thing with the content where you would come in as two kind of like creatives. You have a pitch for an idea of a show you want to create. Um, You have three months to basically create the sizzle reel or the pilot or whatever. And then there's a demo day with a bunch of buyers from all the big streaming platforms and they just buy options on your shit. And um, I just think that's a beautiful, I still think that's a great business idea. And it's only been proven when 
South Park signs a $900 million deal with, with CBS. Uh, Shonda Rhimes, I think, signed signed a couple hundred million dollar deal with Netflix to produce six shows. Um, Reese Witherspoon sold her production company, which didn't even have that. like For like a billion. Features, for like a billion dollars. Um, like this is, you know, this is tech startup money that's being sold for for TV content, which is amazing. So, you know, that's a that's and way be, more and the fun way, than building software. Way more, way cooler, um, way cooler for, for, than that. And I think today, Hasan Minhaj also announced his production. He created a production company today. He announced it like 100. I think it's called 186K Productions or something like that, which is smart. Again, like once you see Reese Witherspoon and other people's production companies selling and we had Rob Deerdeck on, I think he said he sold his production company for 200 something million. He said that he I think he said he's walking away with 100 him personally. Yeah. So like, I think, you know, at least let's say at least a hundred million, probably closer to 200 million. He sold his production company, which basically just produced shows for MTV. That's a great business to be in. And I think it's only going to get better for like this kind of five year period. And then these platforms are going to go away like Paramount plus and you know, like Quibi died, you know, Paramount plus what the fuck is that? That's good. I love Paramount plus. Why do you love Paramount? What, what's the one show you love on there? There's gotta be one. They have uh, like a lot of documentaries and shit. Paramount, it's like old, older, it's like old school a little bit. Or like Peacock. You, are you a subscriber to Peacock? Hell like, yeah. Dude, oh pe- my God. <laughs> dude, <laughs> Peacock, Peacock, dude. Peacock, I literally was just, when I was laying in bed when I wasn't feeling good, I watched The Office on Peacock. Peacock is the only place that you can get The Office. It's NBC's one, right? Yeah. yeah you could, the, you, office. It, the Office and Parks and Rec. It's the only place you can get it. And then, so I, I use it for Parks and Rec. The Office and AP Bio, or have you seen AP Bio? No, I don't know what that is. It's like with like the a class I took in high school. It's like the main guy from It's Always Sunny, you know, uh, D's brother, Dennis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sick. Uh, but Peacock's good, man. Peacock, it's just, it, it all costs so much money. It all I, I, mean, I was looking to shit on one of them. I thought Peacock was uh, safe, but uh, I guess. No, Peacock's know, cool, you're dude. You're sponsored by Peacock, I guess. I don't know what's going on I here. Pay, I pay for Get all of them. Get this man a free subscription. Um, you want to do something? Let's. Dude, you have so much stuff here. Let's just be- bang through it. Yeah, let's do one. Uh, okay, so let's do... Um, do this tweet thing. Okay, let's do this tweet. So this guy, Suhail, who created Mixpanel and now is creating Mighty, which is a cool company. Have we talked about Mighty, by the way? Yeah. Mighty it's, Browser? It's pretty awesome. I think we talked about it, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll skip that for now. Anyways, good entrepreneur, cool guy, whatever. He tweeted this thing out. And uh, my tweet's not loading right now, but I think it, w- it was something along the lines Here. of it, it's a the tweet. It. What's a company you'd start if you had more energy, time, or a lot more money? Right. So, which is basically like if you took away your bullshit ass reasons, what's the thing you really should be working on right now? And I find that to be a very interesting question. I have another question that's similar to that. So maybe we'll do both these questions today. So I went through the replies and I want to read you five of my favorite replies and I want you to just give me a gut reaction. Hell yeah, hell no, or I don't fucking get it. Um, okay, so, so the first one came from Gary Tan, who's a you know big shot investor guy, um, first investor in Coinbase, made like a billion dollars on that. So he, he said a reference check network. Do you know what that means? Just when I say just that, yeah, yeah. So uh, well, the problem being solved is how to get uh, like if he's gonna want to invest in someone. Hey, does anyone know is this person uh, honest? Right. Or you're hiring somebody and you want to know, okay, yeah, you worked at this place. How do I get a reference check? So normally today you ask the employee, they give you three names. Of course, those are the three people that are only going to say good things, which is kind of annoying in the first place. So you can't get really get the right people. Then you kind of have to bug them. There's no real incentive for them except for to maybe help out their, their ex-employee. And then you have to think of whatever questions you're going to ask. Most people ask pretty poor questions, but there are better ways of doing it. 
And in the end, you're just trying to get this fuzzy picture of like, you know, is this person any good or not? So that can be done better. And I, I think he had some solution in mind, which is like something on the blockchain, which was just like, um, you are able to like, I'm able to have people who are linked to me. Somebody can go and request a reference from them. Maybe there's a little payment made. I'm not sure. And then they share information, but it's not publicly shared. It's just shared privately with me, given the context of, you know, who, who's who's the employee and what what this, this job cool. is. So I thought that was all right. Um, I thought it was a re really specific one. That I thought was cool because there was a lot of like, I'd solve clean energy. And like, I don't really know what to yeah, do with that idea. Yeah. Like, it's not that that's a bad mission. It's just like, what the fuck am I supposed to say about that? Okay. Somebody else said, create the largest employer of high school students in the U.S. What do you think of that? Sick. Sick. And yeah. I mean, that's like, that, that sounds awesome. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what is that now? McDonald's? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, that, yeah, probably honestly, I guess <laughs> I, it might be like McDonald's. I don't know what that would be. I talked to these guys who were building a company. I forget what it was called. You probably know what it was, but it's basically like an id, indeed.com, but it's meant for teens and it looks like TikTok and like Panda Express and uh, McDonald's and like PacSun were all advertising on it and you could like scroll through and look at job opportunities. For yeah, you. I want to say it was called like Peach something or like Lemon something or something like that. I don't remember. I don't remember, but uh, Panda Express was like spending a ton of money on it. Um, and so, uh, anyway, yeah, I think that's cool. I think it's a great idea. Uh, it's not I, even I, an idea. I, I think it's it, a great prize to go for. I actually would say that this is like an interesting framework, which is who do you want to employ? hundred percent. I've been saying this for a long time, which is anybody who could figure out how to employ the stay at home mom workforce is going to make billions of dollars. So if you just work backwards from, there's a bunch of moms who are at home. They want to earn a little extra income. Doesn't have to be a ton. They want to maintain flexibility of being able to stay at home and work not like necessarily a fixed number of full-time hours or the same hours every day who can solve that problem and um there's only one example that i know of that's solving that problem i don't know if you know any um for moms yeah uh maybe uservoice.com i think they do it uh user testing user testing.com that, 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 that's the one i was thinking of oh is my it mom, really my mom, my mom worked for them yeah so oh <laughs> so my god that's, that's so funny I, I knew about it what a random thing that we both knew that um so I would say so user testing.com is an amazing company, by the way. So you just pay someone to like go through they your just website. Went public, by the way. Um and how cool is this? They just went public. And my mom stock and my mom was like you Well, know, say what it is. So user testing, basically it's a service where I have an app or a website. I want to know where it's confusing for users. Like the design makes sense to me, but like sure enough, when you, when somebody else is using it, they're confused, they can't find the thing they want. And they just it's record clunky, your mom stuck. like scrolling through the site. So they have an army of testers, which is just all the requirement is be a normal person. You have we do not even want you to be highly skilled. Like you're supposed to represent the average customer. So they have a bunch of people. They send them a little camera that um, that records their finger on their phone, basically it records them like and they just talk out loud. So, so that you give a task, you say, like, you know, find a Christmas gift for your dad and put it into your cart. And they're like, OK, I'm looking for the gifts for dad section i don't see it uh scrolling 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 they don't see the button that says menu oh there's the menu uh dad dad oh it's men's men's okay i'll, I'll click men's um yeah i don't get how this is sorted oh this is by new release and you just talk through what's confusing to you and that 15 minute video goes to the company and the company gets to watch it and they get to share it internally their their researcher basically shares it with the designer or the engineer and they pay like 300 dollars for it right no, no no each test is like 25 dollars or 30 dollars and then, um, and then well, now it's all switched to subscription, but originally it was like $25, $30 a test. 
the tester gets 10 bucks for doing the test and the company kept, you know, 15, 20 bucks. And so the tester's like, cool, I can do like four of these in an hour. And so a te- like a, a bid would come online. Oh, Chipotle wants you to test their new mobile menu. And you would just have to go quickly say yes. And then it, you qualify. They're looking for women, you know, age 40 to 55 in the U.S. And you're like, yeah, great. I, I qualify. I can take this test. And that's a billion dollar company now. Its market cap is over a billion dollars. Did your mom get paid? Did they give her shares? Yeah, it's awesome. So basically my mom was, she first started off as a tester. Then she got hired by the company to review the other testers because you have to do quality control. So she became like, she would watch the test and give feedback to the testers. of Like, hey, your audio sucks or like you're mumbling or like you didn't follow the instructions of the test. Um, one more strike and you're out of the testing pool. And so that was her job. And she was the oldest person in the company, I think. So she wow. was like, my mom's like 63 now. So she just retired this this year. So she was there at 62 years old. Uh, my mom like had Slack and like knew how to use all like Jira. She knew what a Jira ticket was like. It was crazy. My mom, like who knew? And she got some shares and she had always told me like, should I? And I was like, yeah, you want the shares for sure. Um, and then she would tell me like, hey, the, the CEO did an all hands. He said this, this, and this. Is that good? I'm like, yeah, it sounds good. Like this company's doing well. I should have bought secondary stock in the company during that time because I had like basically inside info of like this company's pretty good. This is a good quality company. And I was a user of the service as well. So it goes public the other day, like, the, like two weeks ago. And my, I'm like, mom, how many shares do you have? And she goes, looks in Carta. She tells me your shares. I'm like, mom, you made $150,000. off this. No way. And she's like, yeah, because her strike price was super low. Uh, she was there for like four or five years. And uh, so I was like, that's amazing. That's like, uh, like that's, that's my mom was so happy. Uh, like, I never Good for her. That that's badass like money. And so like. This is why I think this model of who do you want to employ is actually interesting because it's actually there is two for two reasons. It's motivating. So like the fact that like they are employing uh, most like I have no idea. I'm just make this up. If it's like mostly women who stayed at home for a long time and now they want to get back to it. That's like incredibly motivating. It's like, look, we're serving our employees. Yeah, it's very noble. It's cool. Let's say you want to hire uh, uh, ex-cons or something. It's like, look, this is interesting. Or we're going to hire a bunch of 16-year-olds and it's going to be the first job. We're going to train them how to be uh, men and women and prepare them for the rest of their lives. It's actually incredibly cool. It's fascinating. There's one. Um, I want to look up the name. Give them a shout out here. So it's hire. you hire uh, military wives as EAs. That's awesome. Um, it's called... And it, it also helps with expectations. So you know what you're, squared you, away. You, 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 what's it called? Squared away. Squared away. And That's it's cool. basically a woman. I think, I think her story is that she, I, I'm assuming she was in this position. I don't really know. Um, but basically it's military spouses. Um, and I was like, this is a great, this is a great idea um, because, you know, this is U.S. Uh, these are U.S. employees. They want this work. They, um, yeah, you know, they, it's great to provide for their family while you know, the husband's away. I just think it's awesome. And, um, and it, so it, 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 it helps significantly with expectations because then user testing knows, all right, we're mostly going to be hiring 60 year old or 50 year old, uh, women who don't have a, probably a ton of experience with Slack and Jira. So now we right. know what we're getting into right. or we know our ha- processes. We know how to hire the culture is good. They all get along. Yeah. It's like, like mindedness. Or if we're background. hiring a ton of 17 year old high school kids, like we know, like here's the deficiencies and here's where they kick ass right. or if we're hiring guys out of jail we know like here's where they're going to struggle here's where not going to struggle so that's cool um what are what are some other great ones on here that's a good one it's kind of vague but pretty cool i'll do two more um okay we'll we'll do one vr therapy 
So um, VR is not there for like mainstream use cases. The average person's not coming home and spending a couple hours of VR. There's a few, you know, there are some people who do it. They like to play games, uh, but VR is really awesome for like, for like training. Like I know doctor, like medical schools buy it so that the doctor can be like in the operating room and they can make a highly lifelike simulation. Um, and I think therapy is a good one too. So, um, being able to put a headset on and really like change your environment, change the state of mind, be able to go role play through scenarios or talk to somebody and feel like you're there with them. I think that's kind of amazing. And so I'm, I look forward to seeing like VR with these like really specific high value use cases, um, until like the mainstream thing is ready. Dude, I'm down with that. I also think I could conquer a bunch of phobias like with that. Right. So I'm down. I think that's cool. Like, I know that like athletes are doing this. So like, you know, um, there's this great, we, we both love, uh, like, you know, UFC and MMA and NFL is this way also, but there, there's this phrase that Conor McGregor's coach always says, which is you want to upgrade the software without damaging the hardware. So it's like, how do you train and improve without the, without putting strain on the body, hurting your body? Cause training is so physically grueling. So one way that they're doing it in the NFL is VR headsets. So the quarterback, instead of just watching film. Their first person reading the defense without having to go stretch, get their ankles taped up, go out on the field, potentially you know sprain a knee or get hit. It's like they get to exp- they get to re- practice reading the defense and all the different coverages just in VR. And then when they get out there on the field, like it's that same first person p- point of view, t- being able to turn your head and you're you're only seeing parts of the field. Like it's like pretty much like a one to one recreation. I think that's kind of awesome. I want to know which company is doing that. Um, I'm sure there's a company doing that. My favorite videos on YouTube to watch right now are they take folks who play uh, simula- racing sims, so racing simulations with VR sets, and they have these like amazing setups at home that are like ten, twenty, right. fifty thousand dollars, and then they go and put them in a race car, and they do really no, they do really well. You know, they, it, it oh, takes wow. them like in all the videos I've seen, it takes them five, ten, twenty minutes to like get used to the noise and get used to. Um, uh, like the smell and just the, right. the the slightly different sensation, but they pick it up super fast. And so it's guys who have actually never raced before and they get them out there and they give them the fast cars and they pick that shit up. It's pretty That's amazing. Great. Yeah. Like I think even stuff as boring as sales, I think you could practice sales in a much more lifelike way. Uh, I know that teachers are doing this for like uh, how to talk to your student about if they're feeling depressed or if they're being bullied. It's like you sit there, a student walks in, you can see their face, they're saying something and then you have to react and then you have to like, you're kind of like choosing what to say live. It's, it makes it, you get to practice before you go do the real thing. That's cool. Any other good ones? Uh, there was a couple other ambitious ones. So there's a terraformation one. We've talked about this before, which is taking just d- deserts on the, on earth and turning them into like rainforests, basically turning them into for- forest, like put it creating a green oasis of trees there. And like, that cleans up that sucks up a bunch of carbon dioxide from the environment. So it cleans up, uh, you know, the, the air as well as like turns it into livable land. And so like, if we can learn how to terraform, which is basically like turn, you know, unlivable land into livable land, um, that's going to help earth, but it'll also help when we finally do make it to Mars and we need to turn that into a hospitable place. We're going to need to know how to do terraformation. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And there's another one like that, like drone based wildfire fighting. So like sending in drones to put out wildfires, uh, I think that's pretty cool too. I think that's great. Those are really neat. What um, what's what's another one? What's this legal question for five million dollars? This I thought was cool. All right, so there's, so as you know, I'm a TikTok binger nowadays, and TikTok is the only social media that like I 
when I leave it, I feel better than when I came in. Everything else, uh, like Facebook, feel awful at the end. Instagram, I feel like, oh, man, my brain is rotting. Twitter, I'm like, that oh, was a waste of time just dealing with a bunch of people's bad thoughts. And uh, TikTok is really, I, I cannot believe how much I enjoy it. Like, it's Is fun it just in the entertainment? It's, addictive. it's entertainment, but there's a lot of education. Like, I learned a lot of shit off TikTok. Now, it's all little life stuff. It's like, um, you know, like, I don't know, stupid examples, but like, hey, if you ever take a photo and you see that, like, you know, where your eye, like, when you take a photo, your eye can have like a red, like, you know, you look kind of evil, like the camera has that flash or whatever, like a red dot. If that's ever white, you should go to the doctor um, because there's actually like a, a very, uh, like, there's a chance that that's a very bad thing. And then this guy was replying saying, actually, I had heard that. I saw a photo like the end of that. I went to the doctor. It turns out I had eye cancer. He's like, I actually had my eye removed, but like it saved my life that we wow, found it cool. early. And um, I don't know. There's just random shit. That to like, you know, just quickly seeing like how an avocado gets to your door. It's like, oh, cool. This farmer, farmer TikTok is dope. Like parenting TikTok is great. It's like, oh, when your kid is just not listening, how many times have you done this? I'm like, yeah, fuck, that's me. And they're like, here's a better way to say it. And I'm like, thanks you know, parent I never had to teach me how to do this really important thing in my life. Um, like you just learn little shit. So, um, anyways, I was on it and there's this account called legal baddie. Uh, legal baddie is just like some hot lawyer. And she's like, here's my question for you. She goes, if I told you that you were going to make $5 million a year as your salary, regardless of what you do. So you're just, you were going to work 30, 40 hours a week. You're going to make a fixed rate of $5 million a year. What would you choose to do as your work? Like you still have to work to get it. Uh, what would you choose as your job? And obviously this is like, you know, a hidden question of kind of like, what do you actually really enjoy to do if money wasn't an issue? Um, and, and so, and, but you still have to work, right? So there's one of like, Oh, if I had a hundred million dollars, well then I probably, maybe I wouldn't work at all. Like maybe I would just do blah, blah, blah. This is like, you have to work to earn this, but no matter what job you do, you're going to earn the same amount. So which job, by would the you way, really want I'm looking do? at her profile. I love legal baddie. I love this woman. <laughs> why just her look what what do you like she's just like she's a baddie she's so this woman's a lawyer is that her her shtick yeah she's i think she's a lawyer otherwise i just think it's she's crushing it legal means something else i don't know what's going on if this woman she's 19 and that's she's first gen lawyer from ucla law i think it's amazing she's probably making more money off tiktok and like she's like i like i like I particularly like it with women, but I like it with men too, where they uh, talk about like cool shit, like passing the bar exam or whatever. But then like, uh, like she's got all a bunch of nail shit. I, I always think it's cool. where like, you can break that barrier of like smut and cool stuff and also like legitimate uh, life helping content. I always thought that was cool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm with you. She has 500,000 followers on uh, on here and like, you know, her top videos. have. Yeah, she's like doing like, views. like purposely hot girl stuff. And then also like telling you how to get into law school. I always right. think I always think that's cool. Law school and then downer dog. Then back to quick bar exam tip, and then back to my favorite name. And like here's like a here's like a a pretty racy bikini video of her. <laughs> right. So yeah, yeah she knows what she's doing, right? Like let's credit where credit is due. Uh, she is giving the market what it wants. I love she's this a lady. Differentiated thing. All right. She's not just one of the like kind of like TikTok hot girl in a bikini or whatever. Like she layered it with. Another, like that, what the, the skill stack, as you call it, right? How rare is that? There's, there's not a lot of lawyers on TikTok. There's not a lot of hot girls. Both, she might be the only one, right? So she's competing in a pool of one. And there's this video of her talking in front of like C-SPAN, like uh, some type of 
press con- I love this. Anyway, I love her. Uh, so what's the question? $5 million, okay. what would your job be? Yeah. What would you do for your job if you were for sure going to get paid $5 million? What would you just choose to do for that 30, 40 hours a week? What's your answer? Now I want to hear yours first. I don't know. Well, what I, comes to mind? $5 million a year, and you have to have like a 40-hour-a-week job, right? Yeah. Um, definitely something involving like charity. So like uh, something involving not making money. So if I can get $5 million and all I have to do is like spend time like running a dog shelter or, uh, uh, That's awesome. <laughs> I would do that in a heartbeat. If I could pay That's five not, million, not what I thought you were going to say. If I could do $5 million to like run like a dog rescue, I would do that in a heartbeat or <laughs> to help inmates, ex inmates find jobs. I think that would be exciting. So, or even like people like everything we just discussed about helping, uh, stay at home moms get, get employment, anything that involves helping people and not making money. I would do that. Yeah, that's good. Uh, yeah, mine's kind of similar. Mine's kind of boring. I would I would probably teach. Like, I just love teaching. So um, I would teach. Now, the question is, what would I teach? I think I would teach kind of like business slash life stuff to people who uh, want to actually like they're really motivated to have a great life and have a great, great like kind of business career. And so those are the people I like hanging out with the most. And that's the thing I like doing the most is basically learning shit and then just, you know, packaging it up and then teaching it to others and answering questions, you know, uh, talking things through basically with people, figuring stuff out. Um, so I think that's probably what I would do, but I feel like, uh, you know, your dog shelter thing made me think, Oh, maybe there's an even more lightweight, um, just pure enjoyment. Like maybe actually I know what it would probably be. I would be like a, um, I pre I'd be a basketball coach or I would be like a, uh, a like whatever the F minus basketball league is. Like I'd be a basketball player. Uh, like, that'd be sick. Thing that I have the absolute yeah. most fun doing is playing basketball, and like second best would be coaching a basketball team. This woman, legal baddie, has another question: Would you rather have ten million dollars today or a hundred million in five years? That's the easiest question ever. Which one would you take? A hundred and five. Yeah, exactly. Hundred and five is 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 great. Um, it gets if it's fifty, I think it's a lot closer. It gets a lot closer at fifty because fifty could turn into a hundred in five years in a bull 50, market. F- 10, 10 will turn into 20, but also you got to have 10 now and you didn't have to wait five years of your life, which is, you know, pretty significant. Uh, but yeah, I, I think my answer is I'd be on some Gordon Bombay shit and I'd, I'd go do my Mighty Ducks thing with some like, you know, high school team. I think that's a good answer. Um, uh, you want to do a few right. more? Let's do something else. Let's do it. Let's do a couple ideas. So business idea. All right. Problem I just ran into. Um, sending a gift to your production partner, your factory partner uh, overseas. Okay, sending gifts in general is hard. Sending gifts overseas even harder um, because like just like the f- act of mailing things and like, oh, I want to send them like, you know, bottle of wine for Christmas or what. It's like, I can't mail that. How do I do this? I got to like, look up UPS's like alcohol shipment, you know, rules and make sure it doesn't crack and all this. So I, fa- I was searching like I'd like to send my factory a gift in China. Is there just like a version of DoorDash in China? I could just like go look at what they have, push a button and they'll just deliver it to them. And like, That's boom, it's done. And I actually found this like really janky website. Um, I'm going to find, uh, <laughs> find the name of it. Um, but basically I found this like old school looking Craigslist looking website. And it was, we send gifts to your business partners in East Asia. And it's like, that's all we do. Um, browse. Here's like 50 gift baskets ranging from like balling out to like, ah, we just met. And, um, you know, you want to spend $40 or you want to spend four, $400? You could, you could pick. And they just say, great. What? And then their address field is like formatted for Chinese address. It's like, you know, like it's like, it's just, it's optimized where you have confidence that 
they will actually deliver the goods and I'm not going to have to worry about logistics. I'm just going to be able to put in some money and I'm going to have a thoughtful gift to my factory partner. So I like this idea because, okay, there's probably some amount of people like me that are searching for this. Like, okay, it's Christmas. I want to get a gift for my business partner. But um, do they not have, can you not order an Amazon thing and send it to China? No, I don't think so. No, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I could have just done something as simple as that. I don't think, I don't think so, but Maybe there's like, maybe I needed to go on Taobao and like figure that out. Yeah, but that's Taobao a pain in the account. ass because I don't even yeah, know what Taobao is. Exactly. This was like pay with PayPal, you're done. And I was like, great. Um, this is what I wanted. And it was also like organized as a gift. So it wasn't just like an, an item where they're just going to get it in a shitty Amazon box. It's like, it looks like a gift. It's in a gift care package, um, which is nice. That's like the, the goal of what I was trying to do. It's like edible arrangements to China is what I was trying to do, essentially. So I sent it and... Um, and I was just thinking you could just do this and then do like cold outreach to like the 1 million Shopify stores and be like, hey, you know, what's a good idea. You should send your your factory, you know, your your, your manufacturing a gift partner, basket, a gift basket. And like, you know, it costs 50 bucks. It goes a long way. You know, these people, you know, they're, they're key to your business and steady shell, blah, blah, blah. And gifting is a big thing in China. It shows respect. Don't be rude. Um, and like you could do that three times a year. Like, oh, it's That's you know, Chinese New Year. It's whatever else. And I think just through outbound, you could create like a. Like probably like a $1 million a year uh, revenue business, maybe $3 million a year in like two weeks. I think you could create that. So our, uh, listen to this crap. So, so the other day we got a mattress delivered to our front door, a Zinus mattress. It's huge. And it had Sarah's name on it. I go, Sarah, why'd you order a mattress? She goes, I didn't order a mattress. And I'm like, we got to find out who sent this mattress because <laughs> we can't open this up because if you open it up, it's a pain in the butt. We're just going right. to keep it in the box, maybe send it back or we'll sell it for like $200 or give it to a friend. Yeah. And so here's like a heavy ass, huge box. Huge. That you can't open and you don't know where it came from. Yes. And it says Zinus. So I know it's a cloud mattress. I don't even know what size of mattress it is. Okay. I got to open it up. <laughs> and she posts on Twitter and Nick Huber, sweaty startup, says, that was from me. Uh, and, <laughs> and I go, oh, very funny. And he goes, no, that was seriously from me. I, uh, we wanted you to know I invested into his storage business. Yeah. And he said, we wanted you to be able to sleep well at night knowing that your money is uh, uh, like being taken care of. And I was like, well, I appreciate the sincerity. That's lovely. Yeah. Who the hell has a like, I don't have like a spare <laughs> an unmattressed bed. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't have an unmattressed bed. Like, what were you thinking? Like maybe a blender would have been cool or like just chocolate, like, like, like a pillow, a pillow would have well been, <laughs> yeah, like a fancy pillow. I could use another one of those. He gave me an extra mattress. And so we've been texting our friends like, does anyone need a mattress? Yeah, he, he created a pain in the ass for you. Yes. I'm like, dude, just send me chocolate covered nuts. <laughs> or, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, give, give me like, like some flavored, like some weird fruit or something. I don't want a fucking mattress. He sent me a mattress. I've got this huge mattress in the yeah, front door. Problem. And I've got guests coming on Friday. And I'm like, looking like a redneck oh, with dude, this mattress on my front. Bed. We have a bed. They're staying in the bed that's already in the guest room. And I'm like, look like an idiot. I look like a country bumpkin with just a mattress on my front door. And I'm like, oh, just ignore that. We'll get rid of it. So uh, I'm on board with better gifting. Nick Huber, I, this will make it to you. I, I really appreciate the the gesture, though. It was very nice. Um, but like maybe like peanut butter cups and like chocolate covered nuts and like some chocolate turtles would be more sufficient. <laughs> I love it. Um, all right. So that's one quick idea. The factory gift idea with the outbound outreach to every FBA and Amazon seller, uh, sorry, a Shopify seller. And I think you could I think you could side hustle your way into a million dollars a year doing that. OK, here's another uh, random thing. Have you uh, have you ever seen 
uh, EMF protected pants. Is that for your computer on your balls? Is that your phone? Yeah. Uh, no. I don't know if EMF. It might be EM something else. Electromagnetic, whatever. Radiation. I'm on board with this, though. I hate, like, I, I don't know. It's EMF. The studies, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but, like, basically having your laptop on your lap and that heat is, right. not, I, I don't know if it's radiation or what it is. It, like, has proven to kill your sperm. Another thing, like, wearing whitey tighties, you know, like, tight underwear where Too your tight, balls yeah. are against your body. That actually uh, kills your sperm because it right. it heats your body up too much. Let them baby swing. You know what I yeah. mean. You can't. You can't be. You can't be. You can't. You can't the bird's got to fly. Yes. <laughs> you can't keep them in the nest. So, um, so I've I've noticed that there's a few people in my life who I they're like the canary in the coal mine. Like they they kind of get really into stuff, and I'm when they first say I'm like, why are you even thinking about this? Why do you even care about this? Um, you're you're one of these people, by the way, where it's like. Dude, Sam just got really into fucking mobility and like, you know, stretching. He's like, like got really serious about like ripped dudes who want to uh, stretch and be like super mobile or it'll be like, you know, um, he's on this kick about like really wanting like uh, toughness challenges. Like life is too good. He's too soft. So he, he's craving this like ch- core primal challenge in his life. Uh, is that just Sam being Sam? And actually what it ends up being is like, Sam being ahead of the curve by like three years and it's going nice. to become, it's going to be proven to be like quite popular. Um, there's a few people in my life that are like that. My brother-in-law is like this. You're like this. My trainer I've learned is one of these people where he'll say something and he's like, you know, super into this thing. I'm like, uh, I've never like, he'll be like, Oh yeah, dude, I take Kratom. Like, Oh, Kratom. Like what the fuck's Kratom? Like, do you know what Kratom is? No. It's like basically, so, uh, so, he, so he's big into like these like kind of supplements, nootropics, which like, you know, if the promise of them is amazing, but you like can't tell if they work or not. Uh-huh. Like people who believe in them are like, oh, this feels great. But it's it's that thing we talked about before. It's like the best product in the world is CBD for dogs because yeah, it's the you best. Know, you think you're giving them you know pain relief, but you'll you'll never know if it does anything. And like CBD for humans is like that too, but the dogs can't talk. And um, and so there's a whole bunch of these like kind of nootropics or supplements that's like, oh yeah, I take lion's mane and I take like you know fucking milk of magnesia. I don't know, whatever. Just a bunch of random ass names. And then later, like he said, he was telling me about like uh, Tonga Lee and then Dr. Huberman came on. He's like, yeah, I don't do testosterone anymore. I do like, I get it from these other like more natural herbs like Tonga Lee and whatever. I was like, dude, there's only two people in my life that I've ever said this name, Tonga Ali. And like, it's these two people. And so I've just noticed he's ahead of the curve on a lot of these, whether it's like fashion, fitness, supplements, nootropics, uh, you know, like books that he's into. And so on the supplement side, he's like really this thing called Kratom, uh, which is kind of like a Advil. Um, like you don't take it instead of you take it instead of Advil. So it's like kind of like it helps with your aches and pains without the side effects of like doesn't like uh, thin Advil. your blood or hurt your kidneys. Yeah, like you're bad for your liver and shit like that. Yeah. And um, so anyways, I, I, where I'm going with this. OK, so he's like, oh, yeah, dude, uh, he's got his fashion line coming out where he's like making clothes. Basically, just like I'm his only customer right now because it's like not released. But I just get to have a bunch of his shit. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Um, he's like, yeah, the shorts on these, the pockets have like EMF protection. And I was like, what? And he's like, oh, yeah, like I'm big into like, you know, just why not? Why not have EMF protection? And I was like, from like, he's like, yeah, your phone's in your pocket all day. It's right next to your balls. Like, you just don't want that. You know, I want to have kids. I, I don't want to have you having all this stuff there. And I'm like, I guess you're right. I guess it's I was pretty sick. That's I was like, it's one. so normal. Everybody puts in their pocket. So like, is there something to be worried about? And I call this. Fudware, FUD, which stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So I, I Did think you make that just, up. Yeah, there's a general trend I have creating here called Fudware. 
And I think that FUDware is going to be anything that's like, oh, that's yeah, you know, like blue blocker, gla- like uh, light glasses, um, EMF radiation proof pants. Um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, like, and that's, that's not to say that they're all like, it's not to say that any of this is false. Like it might be tr- totally true, but it's basically preying on people that are, when you tell them, oh, did you know that parabit, you should never have aluminum in your deodorant. And they're like, what? Aluminum? Am I going to die? All right. I'm never using Old Spice. I'll use native deodorant instead. It's like paraben free. It's like, what the fuck's a paraben? But I I guess I've heard parabens are bad for you. You know, um, like that guy who came on the show and he was like, oh, yeah, I don't drink out of plastic because, you know, phthalates. I don't drink out of plastic either. And oh, it's like, but yeah, it's still super common. But the smart people I know are like starting to say this word phthalate. I never heard this word before, but I'm starting to hear this. And it tells me. There's a bunch of people that as they become aware, they're going to start to steer away. Or, tef- like, or Teflon pans. Right, exactly. Like the nonstick or whatever. Yeah. So I think there's just a whole class of products that are just FUDware. And you can just find the next FUD of like, what are people afraid of? It's like, oh, like they want to do like um, UV cleaning of their phone and their toys because UV kills, uh, you know, COVID. And, uh, you know, UV red lights. That's a great whatever. one. FUDware. That's fantastic. So a few more like the water filters. So there's those charcoal silver water filters that are everywhere. Totally. I think just Justin Mayer said he tried to get a built like a huge one. So all of his home water goes through this thing. Yeah. What he said he called? has like an intense, I asked him, I go, what do you have? What do you do for water? He goes, uh, I go way over, but I have like a 12 foot tall system that's filtering. My is water. it like a, is it called like Bert? It's called like Bert Berkeley or Berkeley. I don't water. know what it's called, but when Rob Deerdick was on, he said that too. He's like, I'm making a shower head filter company. Cause like, Oh Yeah. What if I found out that I'm showering in fucking toxic chemicals? Well, then I'm going to buy this attachment that purifies it. Like if you just put a little seed of doubt into my brain, I'm going to be like, yeah, why not? I'm just going to get on the side of safety. And on in the same realm with that. And I actually, I I would want to look into this, but I think laptops on men laps is like a massive issue. Right. I I, like it it could potentially be quite big. You could just make a whole company just protecting men's balls. (laughs) <laughs> from, the, from like you know, the modern day you know <laughs> harm <laughs> it's like yeah here's a laptop tray that's like fucking made out of kryptonite and it's like you can't pass through this here's your shorts put your pocket put it in this pocket it won't won't fry your balls uh you know wear this underwear uh because you know your underwear has you know cotton phosphors it's like what's a cotton phosphor i don't know sean just made it up but it's bad for your balls and so it's like did you just make I that up just, that's good <laughs> sounded good right dude it, i'm telling you the heat it, it does freak me out like having that heat like i feel it and i'm like oh this is horrible for me so i i, right. I have like a pad like i put a pad on my lap there's a small uh you know pomade you need to apply to your balls every night uh before you sleep because you know that when you sleep the gravity pulls your balls and it's bad for you like how, how i can much... make up an endless number of ball okay here's this one that i saw these guys launch and they advertised with us early on and i was like this is the stupidest thing i've ever heard of why are you guys even doing this and now it's a billion dollar company manscaped yeah. have you heard about manscaped i have i asked a buddy i said what's one of the best investments in your portfolio what are your best investments and i thought he'd name some tech company some cybersecurity company he goes oh manscaped is great because they raised like only a tiny amount of money and they're worth like yeah like close to a billion dollars uh, is it a billion dollar company you think I, I don't know something like that it's worth but they sponsored the stuff. UFC and that's a, a really expensive sponsorship and they sponsor a ton of stuff if, if you told me that they do like 150 million in revenue I wouldn't be surprised I think uh, it's definitely over 100 million in revenue for you think it's over 200 I mean I don't know that's, and I've I've never used one I told I told Sarah to buy one for me because I want one for my nose hair and I think they have like. Well, no- why did Sarah have to buy it for you? Why, why didn't you just buy it? She wanted a Christmas present for. Uh, oh, okay. I told on my Christmas. I was like, give me like the nose hair one. 
Um, I think they have a nose hair one. Uh, but uh, like it's I, all in one. Is it all in one? I don't <laughs> well, mind using. They, I would, they give you that cover. They give you that air cover to be like, yeah, I just want to trim my beard and my nose. And uh, oh, what do you know? It comes is with it these all other in attachments. One? Maybe your boy will start manscaping. Yeah, I'm cool with share, like using that on my face and on my. No, the 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 nose one's different. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but the the manscape like buzzer, it it's just a normal. I think it's just a normal buzzer. I I, I don't know how <laughs> it's actually different than like a yeah, normal I don't think hair. It's much different. And they crushed it. This cat, I never in a million years would have thought that this was going to work. Yeah, it and, sounded like a joke when it came out. I remember just being like, oh, that's a funny, that's a funny joke of a company. Cool. Cool joke of the day for a startup. Yes. And they kill it. They sponsor all the major like boxing and UFC stuff. These guys are killing it. Uh, and it doesn't look so it, I'm on board with, 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 with the uh, protect your balls. That's a good business. And FUD is a phenomenal uh, name. What does it stand for? Fudware. Uh, FUD is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. So they say this in the market a lot. Like if people are like, oh, I heard China's going to ban Bitcoin or like, isn't it true that like, uh, you know, Satoshi was a, a, you know, part of the NSA. It's like, oh, this is just FUD you're spreading to get people to be uncertain and doubt and sell their positions. Dude, that's great. Like compression socks. I I buy compression socks. That's FUDware. I have no idea if it works, but it's what what is it supposed to do? Compression socks, when you run, I have calf pain and Achilles pain all the time. Compression socks are socks that you pull really high up to your knees and they have a lot of compression on it and it keeps your calves, calves tight. So if you ever wear like compression shorts, like that yeah. tight underwear for your thighs, it's like that yeah. for your calves and ankles. Gotcha. Okay. I like it. I dig it. Um, can we wrap up with one thing? Uh, yeah. So recently, this Bitcoin thing, um, Craig Wright, I don't know much about it other than like one article I read. I guess he's an Australian guy and he was being sued by this person who wanted a share of the money for who, what's the story? Uh, I don't know about his lawsuit, but I know about Craig Wright and that he basically for a long time has been claiming to be uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. So, so, well, he, so but, he claims to be the creator of Bitcoin and then people who are smart in the community are like, there's no fucking way. So people, but the, this lawsuit, basically he's being sued by the spouse of someone. This, this Craig Wright had a partner. The partner died. And the spouse of the partner sued Craig Wright, and Craig Wright won the lawsuit. And in winning for what? Uh, she said that you owe me money because of this reason and that reason. We created this. You and my husband created this thing together. You owe us uh, some money. And in winning, I forget exactly how it worked, but in winning the case, the jurors said, "Well, no, you're Satoshi, and you worked on this alone." And so, uh, uh, <laughs> like, in order for him to win. In a weird, I don't know the exact details, but in order for him to win, they were basically saying, yes, we believe you're Satoshi and Satoshi worked alone. So, okay, here's the, here's the story. So, uh, Kleinman versus Wright, uh, the jury ruled that David Kleinman's relationship to Craig Wright did not constitute a business partnership, meaning the estate was not entitled to a share of the Satoshi Nakamoto fortune, which Wright claims to have control over as the self-reported creator of Bitcoin. The jury, the jury ruled against right on the conversion count awarding awarding a hundred million dollars to Kleinman what a oh, ruled against right yeah so so they got a hundred million out of it I don't know because I thought he was celebrating it was a little confusing but the point was is that this like th- this legal team so, okay they wanted billions they didn't get that but they got a hundred million against him for the unauthorized use of funds from Kleinman and Wright's shared venture W and K info defense research LLC Okay, I don't, this is from something else. So did, is this guy the guy who started it? That's what no. I want to so, know. So basically, um, so he claims to have invented Bitcoin. 
then um, there's a great clip, by the way, of Vitalik Buterin, the creator of Ethereum, uh, co-creator of Ethereum, uh, on stage, and he goes, uh, they're, they're, they were talking about it, and usually people like, you know, like in a in a conference panel, people are usually pretty like, you know, they don't take shots at people like live there, and he just he just pipes up, he goes, you want to know what I think? <laughs> and they're like, yes, we'd love to know what you think. He goes, he goes, um, he gives this like quick like two minute rant that just destroys Craig Wright, where he's like. I think if you were the creator of Bitcoin, you have a very, and everybody was saying you're not, and you keep trying to tell people you are, all you have to do is one simple thing. You just have to sign something with, with Satoshi's wallet, and that will just show that you're him. And the fact that you're not doing that, like, the, 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 you know, he, he calls some, like, some, like, you know, Oxum Razor, Oxum's Razor, or whatever, like, just you know, some term like that. He's like, the simplest explanation here is that you're not Satoshi. Because if you have a simple way to prove your claim, and you do not prove your claim using the simple way, you cannot prove your claim. And um, so he kind of just like shit on him right there. So who who crowd went wild? So who is um, this? You think that is he? He's he's died or he's still quiet? Um, the best theory is that it's uh that it's this guy Hal. I forgot what his name is. Hal uh, Hal Finney. Um, this was so Hal Finney was like a cryptographer. He received the first Bitcoin transaction. He was the like the, the second wallet. And normally like. What does a developer do when they test something? That's like, oh, I send it from like Sean A to Sean B, like my test account, basically. Like that's how I do the first transaction. And um, he was like very active in the forums. And then he died right around the time he got ALS and died around the time that the last known time that Satoshi ever posted anything. Um, so you know, it what, seems what, like why wouldn't he tell? Do you think he? Why wouldn't he like tell his wife or his family or you know like? Because it looks like he has a wife on these pictures. Yeah. Well, A, maybe he did. And B, um, like, you know, some people are so mission driven in their thing and their thinking. And like, you know, there was there's a real genius of the idea of being like, I'm going to have this as a pseudonymous name, Satoshi Nakamoto. I'm not going to use my real name, which means I'll never get the credit for being a genius if this works. But also it like it's kind of like the parent dies so the child can survive. It's like. The only way a currency like this could have really worked is if you couldn't point to the creator because then they would just attack the creator. They would say the creator has too much. They'd say this guy has a ulterior motives. He has control. He is he's too powerful to, you know, he, he's just the new the new bad guy. You know, OK, you're bad at the Federal Reserve and the governments. Uh, you know, now you're bad at this guy for, for a private citizen being in control of this. So, and you think this is him? I personally think it's him. Um, like I've looked into a couple times about like what who are the most likely candidates um, you know, is it a group of people? Uh, was it the government themselves? Was it one person? And it does seem like it was uh, like, you know, I guess like I shouldn't say it does seem like it. There's really no evidence of the existing evidence that's there. This is kind of like speculative data points you have. Hal Finney fits the story in my worldview the best. So I think it's him. God, that's I love these mysteries. I, I Which would uh... mean that it's it's sort of gone like his coins are locked up um, unless forever. he gave them to his wife. Unless he gave her the keys uh, and like, you know, and she and told her, don't touch it because it hasn't moved. Not, not a single coin has moved uh, ever. And, um, you know, I think if he did it, let's say he did give her instructions. How would I give instructions? I would say um, I would probably not actually let her have it. I would say this file is going to be available to you on this date um, 20 years from now. And I would say, you know, follow the instructions inside. So I wouldn't even give her the opportunity to make a bad decision. Because I would say if these move before Bitcoin wins, um, then it'll be 
this will be just very destructive for it. Like if the creator of Bitcoin starts to sell Bitcoin, that will trigger like a huge sell off in the market because it'll be like, oh, the creator's alive. They don't believe they're selling their coins. Who is it? It'll create this like whole drama. It'll hurt the project. But has any money ever left his account? No, not a single Satoshi has ever left his account. So then he would have had to have created a different account for her to live on or something. Yeah, which could have easily happened, yeah. right? Um, you know, at some point. But, I, you know, people can also see the ledger so they know who all Satoshi sent the, they know which wallets Satoshi sent coins to. And um, some of them are like known identities, like the other people that were in this like crypto, like the cypherpunk community that wanted to test out the project early on. Uh, But like, you know, he very easily could have just had her set up mining, a mining rig. So it didn't even have to come from his account. He could just say, because he didn't give himself the coins. He mined the coins. Sure. Uh, It's just that mining was so easy at that time. So, you know, she could be miner number eight, um, you know, that mined some coins and that's it. That's she can live off that. Yeah. God, how well we should see like. You know, how's Finney, what, how's she living? Is she like in a, in a $40 million home in Venice? I, I don't even know if he, I, I mean, there's a woman with all these pictures with him. Like it looks like a wife. I don't even know anything about her. I just Googled. It doesn't say anything about the Wikipedia about his wife. Um, but oh yeah, his wife raised, yeah. So he does have Ryan a wife. Finney. Yeah. I'd be curious. I'm looking at pictures of his house when he's dying, like pictures of him dying and he's in his home. It does not look fancy. Yeah. Yeah, also ALS just looks so brutal, man. Uh, yeah, it feels like the worst. Completely debilitated. Uh, that's really tough. Yeah, so anyway, that's fascinating. We should do like an entire episode on that. That's This shit is so interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. We should we should just do the research of like, okay, what is all the research that's out there? And like, what's the conclusion? I think people are, I'm fascinated by like this story. I think it's one of the coolest fucking out of, straight out of a movie, but it's actually real life things that has ever happened. You know, I like that and Silk Road. But I think the Silk Road case is far more cut and dry than anyone thinks. I think Ross did it. I think Ross did everything. Right. You know what I mean? What's the the controversy? People think what? Many people were running it. Dread Scott Pirate, whatever the, 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 what's the name? Dread Pirates Roberts or whatever. Uh, They're saying that that was multiple people. And whenever I post about Ross Albright, people are like, free Ross. And I'm like, well, like, he did kind of hire people to kill one another like other people like i don't know like what well, you have you seen the comments so you have a youtube video about your story yeah they hate ross. and they're they're like the they're comments like, are like <laughs> there's like an army of people that love ross and hate they hate anybody that says anything bad you didn't even say anything bad i didn't say anything I, bad i said i, I think he know. did it but right. it, like but like my thing is like uh like i mean he sold like he sold drugs so there's some consequence to that not life but some consequence but if you did like murder for hire yeah, life is is definitely fair. If if you do it three times, totally fair. Right. And when like I read that book, American Kingpin, I looked at some of the evidence, and I'm like, yeah, there were some bad cops working on the case, and those guys got in trouble. But it definitely seems like this guy did it. I don't understand how there's any shadow of a doubt. Right. By the way, Fran Finney's Twitter bio. And I'll, we'll just leave it on this note. She she says, I graduated from Caltech. I spent 35 amazing years married to Hal Finney. Um, who lived with ALS from 2009 to 2014. Currently living in I, Dubai. I vow to spend the rest of my life making him proud. I thought that was nice. Yeah, man. She seems like a sweetheart. And it turns out, wife. Like, hey, it turns out she like, to me. drives like a Ferrari and a Bugatti and like only wears <laughs> Gucci. <laughs> I vow to spend the rest of my life in these fresh ass Gucci's. <laughs> yeah, Gucci life. <laughs> yeah. Dude, she this just... is hilarious. You, you see this? Um, did you ever see that meme? You know that guy Hezbollah, the little like the little I guy. I love him. So he tweeted out this thing. He goes, "Man, people say I have this. Di- like people always talk about my disability." Did you see this meme? Yes. And what did he say? He goes, 
yeah, I got disability to make that bread. And it's a picture of him holding a huge block of cash. Yeah. He's like, D- disability to make this money. I love that kid. He's not a kid. I think he's like 20. Yeah, I don't know what to say. I'm going to get canceled. Just trying to like, just try to describe anything about him without being offensive. So I'm just not going to say anything. Uh, all right, let's roll. I'm out of here.